0: Hi there, my name is Amelia from Amelia Botanica and I am so ready to take you on this journey to find yourself, be the most vibrant you can be and take your existence to that next level. I'm a clinical naturopath and trauma informed EFT tapping practitioner and I'm your host ready to guide you through life's health journeys. This podcast is going to allow you to strip away all the confusion and step into your best self, equipped with confidence, self-advocacy, and motivation to drive your wellness to that next level of radiance. So join me weekly in this collective for this beautiful sharing of information. Each week, I will either interview amazing practitioners, clients, or healers from all different realms of healthcare, or move into a solo episode where I'll share more about my own health experience and my favorite tips to make you the most vibrant you can be. We discuss how these amazing people move their stories from pain to power. I can't wait to join you on this amazing journey. Hello, hello, beautiful ones, and welcome to another episode of the Amelia Botanica podcast from pain to power. Today we are going to cover one of my favorite topics. And the reason I wanted to get this episode out Early in the season is because it is so important. And it is one that I cover with my clients in most sessions, especially in those early phases of treatment where women, a lot of the time, are still getting to know their bodies and their cycles and their hormones. And when we move through this topic, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know this. And I think it really creates a beautiful space for women to lean into their cycles and love them and cherish and nourish them rather than be afraid of them or sick of them and kind of like, oh, this is annoying. So I want this to be kind of a portal for you all to discover how to best support you and the women around you. And I want you to feel like you can use your cycles as something of power and magic, as I said, rather than that suffering and pain. And I truly believe that knowledge is power. So to me, you know, what a better episode when moving our cycles from being painful to powerful and I think that's just such a fun way to look at it we're going to talk through the hormones and how to live within the seasons of the cycle with love and respect and it's just going to be such a great introduction into the world of hormones and for you if you feel like you already know a lot of it you know it's always something new to learn so it's kind of an exciting one to begin with And firstly, before we jump in, I wanted to point out that if your cycle is not, you know, a textbook cycle, like I'm going to talk about today, that is so okay as well. I never want you to feel judged or different because everybody and every uh, cycle is different. So it may just mean that you have a little bit of work to do, uh, or you need to just get your hormones a little bit back into track. But again, just a little reminder that if anything I say today isn't you, that's so okay. And I want you to know that my Instagram messages are always open if you have more questions or you're like, oh, Amelia, what's this all about? Um, Because I really want the community to feel held and supported by Amelia Botanica and this lovely podcast. So let's jump in. Why not get started asap? So the female reproductive cycle is, how do I describe this? A beautiful dance between hormone fluctuations that causes changes in the biological processes. So again, no two cycles are the same, but ideally the reproductive cycle wants to be 27 to 35 days long, and that is from bleed to bleed. So day one of menstruation is day one of the cycle, and then the last day before you get your period is the last day so that could be a day 30 or whatever and then you know you start again so generally it's 27 to 35 days long so the first half of the cycle is called the follicular or the proliferative peri- proliferative phase so this is around day 1 to 14 where the uterus wall builds up a nice layer for a fertilized egg to be able to implant um, and the ovaries here are preparing for the release of the eggs or the primary oocyte, the main egg. So during this time, estrogen begins to rise, which helps that uterine lining get nice and thick and it's kind of like preparing the palace, so getting it all beautiful and cushy and comfortable for their fertilized egg to come. So during this time, the pituitary gland produces FSH or follicle stimulating hormone this tells the ovaries basically to prepare the egg for ovulation and the dominant egg begins to produce estrogen as it grows to be about the size of a grain of sand so that's that kind of first se- section of the cycle. And again, I just want you to think of it as kind of prepping the palace. The egg is getting nice and matured and it's producing estrogen, all getting ready for that main event, which is ovulation. And that is midway through your cycle. And again, not every woman ovulates every month, but ideally around that day 14 midpoint, we want to have you know signs of Ovulation. So, ovulation splits this cycle in half between the follicular phase and the luteal phase. So, during this time, the dominant egg produces more and more and more estrogen as it grows. And when these estrogen levels are high enough, they are so clever, they send a signal to the brain to trigger the release of luteinizing hormone or LH. So, LH is kind of like that stimulus or that trigger to the brain. Hey, it's time to get the egg going. The palace is ready. Let's go. So this big spike releases the egg and then estrogen levels tend to drop down a little bit after this point. So if you are trying to fall pregnant, now is the time to try. So the uterine lining is nice and thick to support a pregnancy and progesterone starts to rise a little bit after your ovulation. So if fertilization does not occur, i.e. sperm meeting egg through sex, then the casing that holds the egg called the corpus luteum begins to break down. So it's kind of just the casing. So estrogen at this point will peak and then drop off if no fertilization happens. So this can cause kind of premenstrual symptoms to come in. You might feel a bit under the weather, moody, irritable, tired, your skin might break out, your, your breast might get a little bit tender. So in the second half of the cycle from day 14 to 28 to 30 that's when women are normally like oh I'm feeling a little bit more tender I'm a bit more tired more sensitive and that's normal on kind of a lower scale you might feel a bit yuck but if in this luteal phase especially if it goes longer than you know four to five days you're feeling really really yucky your moods have a big drop you have very tender breasts bad skin breakouts everything just kind of goes to crap (laughs) that is when we want to be looking at a bit of luteal phase dysfunction and perhaps a hormonal imbalance. So we want our estrogen to kind of drop off after ovulation. It'll still hang around a little bit, but we really want progesterone to come in and take over in that second half of the cycle as that will carry pregnancy. So if we're not getting a big high of progesterone and estrogen kind of hanging around that can lead to that you know that hormonal imbalance and feeling quite yucky so just a recap menstrual phase is day one to five and this is where the decline of progesterone in the uterus causes the release of menstrual blood Pre-ovulation is day 6 to 13, and this is an increase in estrogen causing the lining of the uterus to thicken and the hormone FSH to stimulate the ovary to prepare the next egg for ovulation. Here we'll also see cervical mucus, which I'll talk more about in a second. And then day 14, estrogen is likely to peak and the pituitary gland releases LH, which is that trigger, to expel the egg causing ovulation. And then the luteal phase, day 15 to 28, is where progesterone is released for two weeks after ovulation by that primary egg to support implant- implantation and fertilization. So the egg implanting into the uterine wall and getting fertilized by the sperm. So you'll also see cervical mucus drop here. And if the egg isn't fertilized, it begins to degrade and drops progesterone to begin that whole cycle again. So That is that beautiful kind of basics of the cycle. Of course, we have plenty of other hormones, you know, like testosterone, which supports libido, bone health, stamina, and also helps to combat fatigue and vaginal dryness. And we need that for, you know, our libido and that sort of thing. But if there's too much testosterone, it can drive things like PCOS, acne, blood sugar dysregulation, excessive hair growth, and more. So just a little message about testosterone. All right, so cervical mucus is such a beautiful way to lean into your cycles, and I always highly recommend women to really start to pay attention. Now, if you are on any forms of contraception, you may or may not notice cervical mucus, and that is okay too. That is because sometimes on contraceptive methods, you do not ovulate. And you know some women will ovulate if they have like the copper uh, IUD or the Marina, but majority of time ovulation is suppressed. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't see any of these things happening, and you're on the pill or any hormonal contraception, that can be why. And it's nothing to worry about, but it's something to think about in the future. So cervical mucus is basically a gorgeous sign from the body to tell you and prepare all of that beautiful pelvic area for implantation and fertilization. Unfortunately, Mother Nature knows that our body is a vessel to create a baby. So this is where cervical mucus comes in. And some women are like, Amelia? No, I notice it sometimes. I don't want to go there. And some women are quite curious. So both sides are fine. But the reason I like to lean into it is because if we are trying to do natural um, contraception, i.e. cycle tracking and temperature tracking, cervical mucus is another little symptom or a mention from the body about where we're at. So I normally get women to track with a cycle app. I love Stardust. And when we're coming into that pre-ovulation time, I generally get women to start inserting a finger into the vagina, kind of running it around the inside and then removing it to see what is going on. So pre-ovulation, you might notice a drier, sticky mucus. So this could just be a little bit crumbly or a little bit white, nothing that serious going on. And that's kind of a sign that ovulation might be happening within seven days next we kind of get a bit closer so ovulation is coming we'll notice a bit more of a wetter watery mucus this means the body is getting ready for ovulation within a couple days and this is when estrogen is really beginning to rise next when you see a kind of creamy cottage cheesy type mucus That is kind of telling us we need to expect ovulation coming soon. So due to the rise in estrogen, uh, it's becoming the most perfect environment for sperm to swim in to the egg for fertilization. So you'll expect ovulation within about three days. Now, ovulation, the most important one. So an egg white consistency that's really clear and stretchy means that ovulation is happening within the next 24 to 48 hours. So it's such a miracle that this mucus is at the perfect pH, the perfect alkalinity acid balance for sperm to survive in. And it also contains nutrients for them to survive and swim, which I think is just the most clever thing ever. So, when you notice that kind of like egg whitey, stretchy, clear mucus, you might also get an increase in energy levels, libido, and we'll know it's coming in the coming days. And then after ovulation, progesterone increases. Here, which causes the cervical mucus to become more sticky and thick, uh, which will help reduce the ability of sperm to swim up and to enter the cervix. So, that is kind of the main cervical mucus signs you want to be looking for. And it is so clever. I think it's just such a miracle that the body does this. And other than these ones I pointed out, if you do notice any gray, brown, red, or quite strong smelling discharge, this might indicate a bit of a pH imbalance or a hormonal dysregulation. So if you do get things like thrush and BV, you might get a lot of discharge that can be yellow, smell a bit fishy or strong. And that is, again, something we need to work on because there might be an imbalance in the vaginal microbiome uh, causing these symptoms to come on. So again, always reach out to your healthcare provider if these symptoms pop up for you. But a little snippet, so ideally we want to be noticing a beautiful change of cervical mucus leading up to ovulation. It might smell a bit tangy or like nothing, and that's great. But if you do notice any other stronger smells or colors, definitely reach out to your Prakki. So that is cervical mucus, and I just love looking at that. It's a really great way to lean into the body and begin connecting with those lovely internal cycles. Next, I wanted to chat about the seasons of the menstrual cycles and how to support these seasons. So I love the use of this to really tune into the inner seasons of the body. So this can support you to nourish your body correctly and reduce the intensity of discomfort around menstruation or ovulation and has been shown to reduce pain during menstruation too when we move with our body cyclically. Now, our busy lifestyle doesn't usually afford for us to take rest and rejuvenate our nervous system. So ancestrally, during menstruation, women would normally use this time of bleeding to move inwards and have solitude and rest. They'd go out of the community and take some time. Of course, sometimes in this modern world, we have a meeting or work to do during our bleed. But if we can make some small swaps, throughout the month, this will be really, really wonderful. So for example, I had a beautiful client, Sarah, who would run half marathons all the time. She was fantastic. And in our initial consultation, she told me that she was on a massive run during her period and her cramps had become so severe that she had to squat in the street and just hold herself and she could just feel clots passing. So Of course, I went into my full naturopath ramble about the seasons of the cycle and how I really wanted her to lean into them and use them as a tool to help with her pain. And in the next session, she said to me, Amelia, I realized how much I was pushing myself during my periods or when I was in pain. And now I rest and I feel so much better for it. So even for her to make that connection was a massive win for me. And I was just absolutely cheering. So Yes. Again, in this modern society, we are expected to live on a 24-hour cycle. Now, I don't want to get into the patriarchy, but men generally live on their 24-hour cycle. They wake up and they go to sleep and they do it again and again and again. And in this modern world, we are expected to run on this 24-hour cycle as well. But it isn't the truth, And again, it can lead to the hormones becoming way more dysregulated. So instead of thinking of your days as days, I want you to think of your cycle as a 28 to 30 day clock. And it's just gonna repeat again and again because that will really allow us to lean into how we're feeling. I know women are always like, oh my God, when I rest in my luteal phase before my period, I just feel so much better for it. Or I know when I change my diet up to suit it, I just feel great. So just lean into the fact that if you are feeling a bit yuck or a bit amazing or different throughout the cycle, there's nothing wrong with you at all. And it's very normal, normal for women to do that. So my drive is to teach women how to live with their cycle. And I feel that is so empowering because we are magical. We're magicians. We have this amazing 28-day cycle of hormones And that is all done without us even thinking about it. So again, lean into this. It's exciting. All right, let's start with our winter phase. The winter phase is arguably the most important one to really be aware of. So this is day one to seven of your cycle. So i.e. menstruation, our bleed. This is a time for rest, meditation and deep warming nourishment in this phase of our cycle we want to slow down focus on self love and release things that are no longer supporting us so from a chemical level a drop of our pre- reproductive hormones occurs here so we will feel a bit more fatigued and if we don't rest hormone related issues may come up in other phases so this can be premenstrual symptoms which are not normal So here we want to lean on really warming and cooked foods, so such as slow-cooked meats, bone broths, ginger, chili, turmeric, things that will warm the pelvis and move blood. So from a TCM, traditional Chinese medicine point of view, this time is all about bringing warmth into the pelvic area and avoiding anything cold. So it's kind of like in winter. You want to probably stay indoors a little bit more, snuggle up by the fire, eat lots of nourishing broths, and just take some time to be quiet. And it makes sense because we're losing blood, we're losing our life force, which is rich in nutrients, and it does take a bit of a toll on the body. So, Also, during menstruation, we are having an inflammatory cascade. There's inflammation going on with or without hormonal imbalances, and that, again, can be really hard on the body. So if you can try work from home day one or two of your bleed or swap out intensive exercise for yoga, a gentle walk, or a nap, that would be ideal, and stay warm as possible. So keep socks on the feet, warm feet, warm uterus. Again, no intense activity here, really, really lean into that rest and really nourishing the body. Next is spring, and spring is a beautiful time. This is around day 6 to 11 before ovulation. This is a time for cleansing and starting fresh. As I said before, the body is prepping the palace. We're starting to get ready. If you think about spring during the year, you're kind of coming out of your cave, you might shave your legs for the first time in a while, and you're kind of like, oh, I'm feeling a bit excited for this beautiful season. And that's what happening, is happening internally. So in this phase, your body begins to blossom again, and that is due to beautiful estrogen, which makes us feel a bit more energetic and motivated. And it's a great time to start new ventures and planning. You can also begin to increase your exercise routine intuitively with a bit more cardio based work. If you lean into that, I personally don't. And again, your appetite might change, meaning you might feel like more fresher, lighter foods here. So that's spring, such a lovely time in the body. Now, summer, here we go. Day 11 to 15, this is ovulation. You are glowing. Your skin is shining. And again, that's all thanks to beautiful estrogen as estrogen is the highest here and that will support your energy levels and your drive to socialize. You might wanna go get a cocktail, put on a bit of lippy, a cute little outfit and your libido will also increase. This is because the body is telling us let's have sex and make a baby. Of course, not all of us are trying to do that. So make sure you take measures if you're trying to avoid. So here, again, if you want to choose higher energy activity and lighter fresh foods, that's amazing here. Now, I am going to have a beautiful specialist on to talk about seed cycling soon. I can't wait. So I will leave that up to her. But just know we will be talking about seed cycling soon. It is so wonderful for hormones. All right, finally is autumn, and autumn is day 15 to 28. This is our pre-menstrual time, and things begin to slow down again. Your estrogen has a big drip, dip and drop off, and if your released egg is not fertilized, then progesterone will eventually drop too. So this means you might need to begin moving inwards and taking a bit more time for rest. This time can be quite sensitive for a lot of people and can cause some exhaustion in the body. So ensure that you acknowledge that is going on and just give yourself a break. This is a great time to make quite solid decisions and write lists that you want to achieve during the next cycle when you've got your energy back. Again, I want you to begin to look towards more warming and cooked foods with lots of spices and heated elements to begin to move that stagnation in the body. So I love in this phase to make like a big beef massaman slow cooked curry. It's got ginger and it's got cloves and it's got turmeric and all of those beautiful heating, warming kind of herbs in there. And that is fantastic for heating the uterus and helping blood move. So you also want to look at this phase at supporting your liver because this is the time that hormones can kind of get a little bit stuck that can cause period pain. So what we're looking at here is in that lead up to our menstrual time, I generally recommend people to really, really omit anything that can be clogging up the liver And we'll talk about that in a sec, but we really want to be opening our detox channels, ensuring bowel motions are great and avoiding, you know, too much alcohol, vaping, processed foods, sugars, all those things. It's very important, especially if you have period pain, endo PCOS, all of those things, because again, when we menstruate, there is an inflammatory cascade. So we just want to make sure that we're taking the load off the body as much as possible during this time. So things like your green veggies and antioxidants and fiber, I'll talk about it in a sec, is all very important here. Again, the autumn phase, if you do have PMS symptoms, I normally really lighten my calendar during this phase because I tend to feel a little bit more tired, not as motivated, and my brain just doesn't quite work. So, yes, if you can do that, it's really, really a wonderful thing to do. And if you own your own business and have the space to work around your calendar, it is so uplifting. I know that in my summer, I pack my days with lots of creative stuff and I'm in the flow like I am right now, as you could probably tell, But then when I come into my autumn, winter, I'm like a bit of a shell sometimes, not all the time. And I just give myself so much self-compassion and lighten the load. Okay, so that is living with your cycles. And I really like women to create a little diary. So either in the Stardust app or if you print out your monthly calendar, and I want you to highlight the different months in different colors so your spring summer autumn winter and look at how full your calendar is at this time look at what maybe you can move around if you have social engagements you could readjust and again just lean into where you're at lean into your primal instinct of when you want to rest and kind of rebuild and also when you want to go out in as a butterfly and socialize and run around that is really important. So I hope that you've learned something from this segment because I really love it and I really believe in it and it is so important not to run ourselves into the ground all cycle long. Next, the gut liver process. Ah, this is something that people have highly highly asked for. I've had so many people say, "Can you talk more about the gut liver? I don't really understand what the go is." Today we're just going to go over it quite quickly. In the future, I'm going to do a big gut episode and we're going to do all of this in more depth, but I think it is important to tack it on here. So when I'm treating clients, I usually see gut issues alongside hormonal stuff. So for example, a recent study I saw showed 80% of women with endometriosis have IBS symptoms too. Wow, that is just showing us the body, is not separate so the hormones and the gut and the nervous system don't function separately they function in a beautiful synergistic flow they're always talking to each other and that's why i love naturopathy because we're looking at the body holistically i.e as a whole not just in parts and i think in conventional medicine sometimes from my own experience They just looked at one part of the body and I was laying there going, hey, this is not going to really help the symptoms. So yes, the gut and the hormones are very much connected. The two go hand in hand, and that's because having hormonal imbalances are normally tied with issues of the gut tract and the health of our microbiome. Microbiome, buzzword that's going around, but the gut microbiome is kind of like a rainforest. And when it's treated well, i.e. with a good diet and a reduction in stress, it can really support the absorption of beautiful nutrients and energy, help energy levels and our hormones. So if you think about our gut microbiome as a beautiful pixie garden and that garden has flowers, it has weeds, it has fruit gardens and, of course, a few yucky weeds, which just keep that diversity going. But eating things that are not great for us processed foods taking antibiotics all the time not managing stress and not getting enough sleep can really throw the really fine balance and the diversity out of whack so this can cause the gates of our gut lining to become loose and faulty releasing toxins into the bloodstream which can be very inflammatory and it can cause something called dysbiosis so the bugs in the gut being out of that delicate balance, and being in disrepair. So the naughty bugs overgrow, causing all of the gut symptoms, bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea, all of those fun things. So again, symptoms of poor gut function are brain fog, fatigue, iron deficiency, reflux, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, hormonal issues, and If they are unaddressed, this can lead to depression, anxiety, poor weight regulation, fatigue, and hormonal conditions. I see this a lot with endometriosis and PCOS as well. So research time and time again shows us the important connection between the gut and the occurrence of hormonal issues like endo. So hormones like estrogen, are very it's a very cool process but they're basically recycled through the gut in a collection of microbes called the estrobolome so it has its own name that is regulated to related to estrogen how amazing is that so if estrogen is being recycled through the gut again and again and again and not being detoxed pro- properly, they start to clog things up, which can lead to estrogen dominance, as we spoke about before, so estrogen just not dropping off properly. So this can lead to pre-period breakouts, swollen and tender breasts before periods, weight weight, weight gain, water retention, painful periods, clotty periods, hot flushes, headaches, low libido, PMS and more, all of the joyful things. So I want you to just imagine now that our gut and our liver are the main garbage disposal unit for our body. So each day in a well-functioning disposal unit, excess estrogens and rubbish that are no longer needed are removed from the body by the liver and the gut. However, if we are loading up our bins with extra rubbish, such as alcohol, medications, crappy food and sugar, vaping, all of that sort of stuff, our disposal unit is going to try process them out first as they are more toxic. So this means that the usual things that get disposed of each day are just hanging out there in their rubbish bags awaiting their term. And this may never come. If this happens continuously, it can lead to things like a hormonal imbalance, such as estrogen dominance, which can be a driver for endometriosis. So this means that we want to be having nice full bowel motions at least one to three times per day as this is going to help take that garbage out. We want them to be long, smooth sausages. So if you experience constipation or passing stools less than this, it can really worsen things like period pain as our garbage disposal unit is clogged up and then estrogen is going to get clogged up and then that can drive the growth of lesions and stagnation in the pelvis how crazy is that? But it's amazing. So again, if you're like, oh my God, I have constipation or my gut's not right. Don't stress. There's so much we can do, but it's all about ensuring that we really adjust those lifestyle diet factors. So making sure that your diet is really beautiful and you're taking the load off your garbage disposal unit. Don't add more waste and hardship to this unit. It needs all the help it can get. So Ways we can support this is obviously looking at supporting your liver and the ways we can take some pressure off and support healthy detox of estrogen and the balance of your hormones is to, again, dress your gut as a major detox organ and support your liver to release these cycling estrogens, move them from the active to inactive form so they can get pooped out, basically. So we want to take the load of the liver, especially in the weeks before your period. This can be done by reducing alcohol, caffeine, sugar, and fried foods. I also like to add in one cup of organic brassica vegetables into your diet at least a week before your period, if not all cycle. So things like kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and broccoli are fantastic here. We also want to flood your diet with antioxidants, which help hepatic liver cells. So things like berries, green tea, vibrant vitamin C-rich fruit and veg, i.e. things like kiwis and citrus, all of that beautiful stuff. If it lands well on you, amazing. And we also want to aim for fiber. So fiber is kind of like an exfoliation for our intestines, and it's really good at helping carry out some of the gunk and the estrogens. We need it to bulk up our stools so that it can pass through. However, fibre can be a tricky one as if you get really bloated after things like brown rice or whole grains or a really high fibre meal, this can mean that your gut garden, so that beautiful garden we spoke about earlier, may be out of whack and some of the naughty microbes, the weeds, can be causing this bloating. So the weeds love to feed off fiber and prebiotics. So your fruit, veggie, grains, and they can cause fermentation in the gut and that bloating gas, that really big discomfort. And so if you do get those symptoms, again, you need to see a naturopath probably to address your gut microbiome. So if you do feel good after these high-fibre foods, great. So aim for about 30 grams of fibre a day to bind to and excrete these excess estrogens. so nuts, seeds, quinoa, kiwis, grains, all of that beautiful stuff that makes up all of the kind of carby side of things or the fibre, veggie side of things. So, yes, very, very basic but Things as well like your supplementation, so amino acids, your herbs and supplements, magnesium, bees, and zinc, all really vital for this garbage disposal unit. Again, it's best probably to chat to someone a little bit more individually because we want to make sure you're getting really high-quality supplements. You all know I'm very fussy, so message me if you have any questions about specific supplements. I don't want you taking 20 different things that are not going to be hitting the mark for you as an individual. Next, let's talk about cortisol. Cortisol, cortisol, cortisol is a steroid hormone that's made in the little adrenal glands which sit on top of the kidneys. This is known as our fight-or-flight hormone. We all know this. Everyone's like, oh, my cortisol's so high, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed, blah, blah, blah. But this is just a reflection of that 24-hour cycle we're expected to follow. So cortisol is our stress hormone, and, again, it's produced by the adrenal cortex and is released in response to anything that's supposed stimulates our stress response, so our fight or flight. So if you think about being a cave woman, and you use this stress response as a way to run for your life, really, you are running away from a lion or a tiger or a bear or a tribal member, and that's going to save yourself. Fantastic. We need it. So in modern times, we don't technically need this amount of cortisol in the same way. We really need it of course, you know, to jump off the street if, bu- if a bus comes, you know, that's a combination with adrenaline or, you know, getting up in the morning, we need a bit of cortisol. But if we lean on it too much, we're just going to be really, really fried. And that's being in that fight or flight, that sympathetic nervous system dominance. So again, we do need a bit of cortisol to get us up in the morning and keep us energized and ready to go and safe but we are leaning on it too much and we're in constant fight or flight. So when cortisol is released, it signals to the liver to release glycogen, the storage form of glucose, into the bloodstream. So this release of glycogen increases muscle strength and sharpens our mental focus. So this is going to help us run away or fight the bear or get on with it, and we need it, obviously. That's helpful. But when we're constantly... Churning out all this cortisol under perceived threats, the cortisol steals pregnalone, which is a raw ingredient that makes progesterone and cortisol. And to make cortisol, this is like a life or death situation. So, in this situation, the body is like, I'm in fight or flight. This is not a safe space to make a baby or bring a baby into this environment. So, I'm going to stop making things like progesterone as much because it's not a priority. So that is why it is so important to address the nervous system and look into, why is my heart always beating? My hands are always sweaty. I'm always anxious. I'm go, go, go. And that is because you are probably in fight or flight constantly. So again, cortisol enables us to resolve physical stress. And it's kind of like going out into a thunderstorm without a coat or umbrella. When your cortisol is so low, it's like you're trying to weather the storm on your own. So this can play a big role in our immune system, regulating inflammation, controlling blood sugar and cortisol and blood pressure. So it's really, really important, but it can really impact our fertility. So it's a major driver in blood sugar dysregulation. And when you're stressed, you dump bucket loads of sugar into your bloodstream because that is utilizing that sugar for fuel. So to keep help you run away and get that energy. But eventually it's going to be a fat storing hormone from insulin that's going to turn into fat. So if this is happening always, it can really set the stage for PCOS um, as PCOS is obviously a lot of the time driven by blood sugar dysregulation but if you don't have pcs and your blood sugars are constantly going all over the shop it can make us feel jittery dizzy anxious headaches shaky sweaty irritable fatigued up and down all around all day and a lot of women are like i just feel a bit woo like out of my body and ungrounded and this is a classic cortisol kind of picture again if you're dealing with high estrogen poor blood sugar management is going to worsen it. So endometriosis, we really need to get this under wraps. So when I see hormonal issue issues, it can be driven by the stress response and cortisol levels. And That is why we need to lean into rest and digest. And so that rest and digest state, ways I like to get into it, firstly, look into why you're in fight or flight. Is it because you're in a really high stress job? a high-stress relationship, a negative environment, or your body is working through trauma or unresolved trauma. It can also just be our modern world. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Women come to me all the time saying, Amelia, I'm in a beautiful relationship, works great, I'm not stressed, but I'm still getting anxious and all of these symptoms popping up. And, yeah, this is just a classic kind of cortisol thing. So I really like to... Lean into rest as a revolutionary practice. Being busy does not impress me, as I've said before. Resting like a pixie or a fairy in the backyard impresses me. So, again, it's really important each week to find your joy and your nectar, like I've spoken about before. Each day, doing practices that drop you back into the body, even if it's just a round of silent EFT tapping, a 10 minute meditation, some yin yoga, a massage. A swim in the ocean, grounding your feet in the earth in the beginning of the day, sunlight in the eye in the morning, all of those sort of things are going to bring our body back into that rest and digest. So I would love you to write, go back to your joy journal and write down some things that really make you feel calm and supported and very much prioritize this. Of course, herbies are beautiful to help this too. So adrenal tonics, things like lavender, motherwort, withania, which is ashwagandha, all of those beautiful herbs are really wonderful for helping increase our resilience to stress. But of course, the driver is the stressor, so make sure you're addressing that as well. Ah, so my loves, that was a little snippet about hormones. Again, that was really, really basic. There's so much more. I could talk for hours about this and how to support it, but I think it's always nice for you to just kind of go, oh, that's how it works, and just get a better idea of it. So hormones can be really complicated and tricky to deal with. So again, I really highly recommend you find a protect- a practitioner who you love and get some support there because It is very important to get it from a third party. I've learned that the hard way back when I started practicing and I think it's very important for everyone to get support. So you're always welcome to shoot me a message on Instagram, a voice memo. I'm a lover of voice memos if you want to send me one and I would love to share some more wisdom about what might be happening for you in the body. So I hope this episode helped you move your pain around your cycles to your power and shed some light on how to live in sync with your beautiful, gorgeous cycle. Again, it is beautiful, and we're very, very lucky to have them. I'm so thankful for my cycle, and I love looking at it with so much kindness and care now, rather than hatred. (laughs) All my love, and I'll speak to you soon.